a new podcast, Journey into the World of Language and the Cultures They're a Part of. Impact 89 FM presents Langringos. Hola a todos, bienvenidos al primer episodio de Langringos Podcast. Estoy aquí con mi gran amigo, mi gran compañero, Derek. Now, don't worry, guys, I promise you, I'm not going to do this whole podcast in Spanish. Your heart probably dropped. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to start it off in Spanish. Derek, how are we doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You had me worried there. You had me worried, but uh, no, we're we speaking completely in English here. <laughs> yep. We're going to do this podcast in English. Um, we're super excited to be here. First ever episode. It's our pilot episode. We're going to be getting into a little bit about ourselves, who we are, our experience with languages, why we started this podcast, the history behind it, our goals with this podcast, and also it's going to lead into our first topic of our first episode, which is the monolingual states of America. You guys are probably all wondering, what in the world are we talking about? Just wait and see. Really interesting stuff. We're super excited to dive right deep into it. So Derek, why don't you start us off just a little bit about who you are, what your work status is, what your experiences with languages, where you grew up, your background, et cetera. I'm going to forget. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Derek. I am almost 23. So that means I'm 22, um, in case anyone's mathematically challenged, happens. Um, let's see, I was born in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, my mom's from there. My whole mom's side of the family is from Brazil, originally from, from Italy, but um, given a generation or two in Brazil. Uh, my dad's side is mostly from the US, uh, given several generations there. So yeah, and I lived in Brazil um, until I was about seven. And then when we were seven, or when I was seven, the rest of my family was older than seven, um, we moved to the US, we came to San Diego, and that is where I met my good friend, Nick. Um, he'll share a little bit more about that in a second here. Um, but yeah, I grew up speaking Portuguese and English. I always spoke to my dad in English, and I always spoke to my mom in Portuguese. So despite living in Brazil for the first seven years of my life, when I showed up in the U.S., my English was pretty much how it is now. I mean, of course, it was a little dumbed down because I was seven, but, um, you know, it was completely normal for a seven-year-old. Um, and then when I was in high school, my freshman year of high school, I started studying Spanish, uh, and that was because of my mom, because she was she's always been, I guess, very intrigued and, and interested and values languages very highly. And she says, you live in Southern California, you're going to learn Spanish. And I was like, but mom, I speak Portuguese. Isn't that close enough? She's like, it's close, but you're going to learn Spanish. And I was like, okay. So I just kind of went along with it. Um, never really thought much of the, the Spanish classes. I was good at them. They were relatively easy. I, I was better than most of my, my peers, I guess. I guess it just came more naturally or whatever because of Portuguese. Um, and that was pretty much it. I, I didn't ever spend any time outside of Spanish class doing anything in Spanish, never spoke to anyone in Spanish, nothing like that, um, until I got to college. And my first two years in college, I quickly realized that I didn't really have that Spanish level that I had because I, I graduated high school and I'd gone from Spanish one all the way through AP Spanish, um, taking the AP exam and everything like that. And in my eyes, I was fluent, right? And then you get to college and I had a lot of friends that were from other parts of Latin America and I couldn't really have like a conversation with them unless it was very basic and elementary level stuff. Um, so that kind of 
led me to this realization. And naturally, as one does, I decided that the only solution to that was to go to Spain for a semester. So I had a semester in Madrid. Um, and ever since I got back from there a little over two years ago, um, I've just been studying Spanish on my own, like all on my own account and just kind of self-taught. And it's been really, really fun. And I've progressed a lot more than I did in probably the four years of of, uh, of high school Spanish. But um, yeah, that's enough for me. Nick, let's, let's hear it, buddy. I'm going to try and follow that up. Uh, I don't think I can do that good of an intro, man. That was, you knocked that one out of the park, but see Thanks. if I can give it my best go. Just a little bit about myself. Obviously, my name is Nick. I am a third year student here at Michigan State. I am studying Spanish and psychology with a minor in leadership of organizations. And I grew up in San Diego as well. As Derek stated, that's how we met. Uh, however, despite him growing up in Brazil and you know growing up in another country, I am born and raised in the suburbs of San Diego. So I grew up about an hour from the Mexican border. However, nobody in my family spoke Spanish. Nobody really spoke any other languages. My grandparents immigrated from Belgium, so they spoke Flemish. And I saw a family in Belgium who speaks Flemish because they live there, obviously. But other than that, nobody in my family really speaks any other languages. I didn't really have any exposure to that growing up. However, like I said, growing up close to Mexico, there was obviously a huge Mexican influence and also Latino influence because there are a lot of other people from all different parts of Central and South America. And I don't know, just growing up, I was always really fascinated with their culture, with the food, the traditions, and always just like growing up and, you know, seeing street names in Spanish, seeing signs in Spanish, hearing people speaking it. And I always identified from a young age that, you know what, one day I'm going to speak this language. One day I'm going to be able to do it. So I think I was 12 years old when I first started learning it. I had the opportunity to start in middle school um, instead of taking an, another elective like, you know, drama or broadcasting art, which are, you know, supposed to be fun classes. There was kind of that negative thought about Spanish and I had it in my head too. I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to have an elective where I got more homework, but I was like, yeah, you know what? I've wanted to do it for a while. I'm just going to see what happens. And I fell in love with it and I loved my classes. It was super fun. I started learning first couple of years. And I wish I could tell you guys that after that, it was this piece of cake and I became fluent and I was able to talk with everybody and just be the greatest Spanish speaking gringo that the world has ever seen. But that was definitely not the case. I continued to take classes through high school and into college as well. And obviously I thought at, at those times that, you know, I'm pretty close to being fluent. I mean, I'll get there one day, I'll get there one day. And year after year, just, you know, I kept pushing with my studies until one day I realized that you know, how, how can I be doing so well in classes, but I can't speak it. I still can't do anything with it. And so that's when I reached out to Derek because I knew he had obviously language experience. He was learning Spanish himself. And that's when he essentially told me like, all you got to do is just immerse yourself in the language. And this will be a, a whole separate episode of how to live your daily life in that language that you're trying to learn. But essentially what I did and what I realized was in order to learn Spanish, you can't just be in the classroom and study books and study vocab and, you know, learn grammar. You got to go out and actually do it. And stepping outside of the classroom and into the world and talking with natives, watching shows, listening to content, all in that target native language that you're trying to learn was completely life-changing, completely changed my life. It made me add Spanish as my second major. It made me identify what I want to do after I graduate. And it was just completely life-changing. Now, that passion that we both have, Derek and I, we've been able to share this for a while. Um, obviously, we've known each other for a very long time. We met, oh my gosh, it's probably been at least 10 years. 
Yeah, 10, 12, something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> a very, very long time. We go way back. Um, but now, we, you know, being able to share something that we're really passionate about, something that's changed our lives with each other has been absolutely special. And Derek, I'll kind of let you get into this segment as far as why we started this podcast. Um, I know I come kind of feeding you a little bit into it, but why don't you go ahead and take it away? Sure. Um, yeah, so we started this originally. So Nick and I started having all these conversations about what he could do, right, to to study Spanish. And, and I guess he was trying to trying to pick my brain about it, right? Because I'd I don't know, sound like I'd make this groundbreaking discovery. Um, but I, I found a method that that worked really well. And I'm not saying I invented or anything like that. I stole it from YouTube, like all great things, you know, YouTube University. Um, and yeah, but I, I just personalized it myself and I was able to share it with one of my best friends, you know? Um, and yeah, we were just sending audio messages back and forth. And I think we started with a joke that if we sent like an audio message over a minute long and it's like, oh, that's not an audio message. That's the podcast, right? Um, and then one day we're like, oh, well, we're having all these great ideas. Um, it's like, uh, we should make a podcast out of it. It's like, yeah, we should, that'd be so funny. And then like probably the next day or something, we were like, hey, um, maybe we should actually, right? Because we, we felt like we were having important conversations and, and, and meaningful conversations that, uh, that should be shared, right? So I guess that's kind of a bit of how, how it started, right? Um, and um, I, I guess if you want to get into the, the, I guess, our reasoning behind why we're, make, why we're making this. Yeah, no, definitely. It, our, our story behind this, it's, it's definitely interesting. Like Derek talked about, you know, with our audio messages that these were like video essays, podcasts in themselves. Like, you know, most voice messages between people, like, hey, how's it going? You want to hang out? Like, what's going on? Ours was like, you also know, like, you hear about like, you know what the difference between a heritage and a native speaker is? It's like stuff over Snapchat like that. And I, it was just, I don't know, it would, it would always be the, the greatest conversations that we still have. But we realized we got to put this out there somewhere. And we want to be the people to inspire others to learn other languages because they've been so life-changing for us. And we want other people to have, experience the same joy that we have and just have these same life-changing experiences. And also just being able to share our experiences and put them out there as well, too, because we've had so many unbelievable ones and just being able to talk about them and share them with other people. And, you know, we don't want to brag. We don't want to say that we're special or anything, but kind of like Derek talked about, we feel like we didn't discover Spanish per se, but we feel like anything that no, like, we, we invented the Spanish language, forget everything else. Well, we... Why did you tell them? Why did you tell everybody? Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't originate in uh, what is it, Castilla y Leon. No, it's, it's so much. No. Yeah. <laughs> we created the language itself, but oh, anyways, our, our main goals, as we said earlier, is just obviously to inspire others to learn a language. And we're going to be talking a lot about Spanish because that's our own personal experiences. But this applies for any language. It, if you want to go learn Mandarin, if you want to go learn Italian, if you want to go learn uh, a native Nigerian language that's only spoken in a specific region of Nigeria, it doesn't matter what it is. Any, learning any language is completely life-changing. It changes your perspective on the world. It changes everything about your life. And it completely opens up your mind and your eyes to so many different amazing and beautiful things. Mm -hmm. So that's our main reason behind it. And our main goal, I say our number one overall goal, is just to inspire one person. It doesn't, we don't, we're not trying to go change the world single-handedly. 
which you know maybe we could Derek. no i'm kidding but um never know <laughs> never know but um no, we just want to inspire one person you know and just get our experiences out there and hopefully change their lives for the better and we also want to provide some tips for language learning you know just to make it easier on you all if you've already been inspired and you're listening to this podcast and you want to hear some tips we're going to be providing those to make that process a little bit easier and like i said earlier too, to share experiences so those are our three main goals with this podcast um derek you want to take us into what we're going to cover on this show yeah so again um a little bit re not repetitive but i guess repeating i guess but more explaining some of the things uh we're going to be covering language learning tips right so how to immerse yourself from home choosing and finding a language partner uh you may be asking what is a language partner that is simply someone that speaks your target language is the language you're trying to learn um and you do what's called a language exchange so i for example, would speak to someone from Mexico and I could help them with English and they would help me with Spanish. That would be called a language exchange. They would be my language partner. Uh, Nick and I both have several language partners that I, I would consider friends at this point now. Um, what apps we should be, what apps you should be using? <clears throat> not, not Duolingo. <coughs> sorry. Um, Are you okay, man? Are you coughing? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, just something's in my throat. Um, and then maybe seeking out opportunities in, in your community. Um, the amount of time each day you should spend. That's always a good one. Um, also myths and misconceptions of language learning. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything else here, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna have one on just the benefits of learning another language, which I feel like we probably already said. But we're going to go way in depth. You guys are probably going to get annoyed with us because we're going to be super passionate about these episodes and we're just, we're going to spill our heart out. It's a, it's an open, open heart session, I would say, you know, just, we're just going to spill it all out there. And that's going to be like, you're going to visually and auditorily, that's a word, hear our passion just come out. Uh, we're, we're just making up words, man. That further proof we came up with the Spanish language, didn't we? <laughs> it just cements it. Oh, Anyways. Man. Benefits of learning another language. We're going to be, like I said, interviewing a lot of guests from around the globe and so much more. We have so much cool stuff to be talking about. I think everyone's really going to enjoy what we have to say. And, you know, if you don't really want to learn another language, if we don't do a job, you know, or if you're not inspired by it, then no worries at all. You know, the show might not be for you, but we're just going to be putting our experiences out there and hopefully inspiring one of you guys to go out there and learn another language and see that impact that it has in your life because we want you all to experience that joy so that pretty much wraps up i guess our introduction right that that was pretty much um our our main things our main highlights what to expect from this podcast and now we are going to be getting into today's topic right uh it's dun, called dun, dun. what what is it called nick it is called the monolingual states of america what's that I feel so, I feel so like scholarly saying that, like I, I came up with that <laughs> title for the segment thinking that I was like, and I came up with, I was like, dang, like I'm smart with in reality. <laughs> we, smart. All know, we all know how that is, Derek. It's just not true. Anyways, oh, I'm going to ride this wave of confidence into this segment, but um, essentially what we're going to be talking about is why don't Americans learn other languages? Why is this trend not really a thing? And I just want to say too, we're only going to be making observations here. We're not going to be criticizing uh, the United States. We're not going to be criticizing Americans. We're just 
going to be talking about the trends that we've noticed and we've experienced and seen in this country and just identifying them and talking about them because it's pretty interesting to us. So in one more disclaimer too, when we say Americans, we obviously fully know that America is a set of two continents. You know, it's or more what? than just depending on your geography professor, or if you're from the US, maybe you didn't have a geography professor, but you know, anyways. You know, exactly. <laughs> but regardless, the America is not just the United States, and we we recognize that. It's just saying in the English language, when you refer to someone from the United States, we say American because United mm-hmm. Statesian is not a word. Even though it's it Spanish, is in Spanish too. though, yeah, you know, Spanish. and that's the great thing about it, right? But um, yeah. yeah, we don't have that. We don't have that word in English, unfortunately. Um, um, but yeah, we, we use the word American as kind of shorthand, just to not say someone from the United States. It's you know, four or three words shorter to say American. So we should start saying <laughs> United States again. Don't you think? Might catch on. Or like you shorten it to like states again. <laughs> you never know or you could say statesman why is the statesman that's a word statesman i feel like that would work <laughs> honestly it has, it has a good ring to it yeah anyways <laughs> we're getting carried away again so i'm gonna start us off with statistic eric and i'm gonna have you analyze this and kind of have this lead into our reason number one behind we see the reason why we see this trend so let's look at the continent of europe obviously a big connect collection of countries there huge melting pot of cultures, 56% of European citizens speak more than two languages. Only 20% of Americans speak more than one language. That's, yeah, no, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess the, the reason, like if we're trying to, to guess why, why this is, right? So the US and Europe have a lot of similarities in the sense that they also have very few things in common. Um, one of the things they do have in common is the way that the US is structured and, and divided and, and whatever you wanna call it into states, right? Europe is like that, but with countries. So instead of everyone speaking one, one language, right? Um, there are all these different languages. And if you're a citizen of the European Union, you can travel from one country to another pretty much the same way that you would travel from one state to another domestically inside of the US. And it's pretty crazy. Um, Most of the countries aren't massive. You know, if we look at Spain, it has 40 million people or 45 million or something like that. It's really not that big. for some perspective, the U.S. has 338 million, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, so so it, it, get, it makes sense that like there are some similarities between countries in Europe and states in, in the U.S., right? Um, another fun, fun fact that we're going to have many, many, many fun facts. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme, fun fact of the episode, a.k.a. every five minutes. Um, <laughs> The U.S. I think, I think our viewers are going to live for our fun facts, 100%. I hope so. I hope so. Um, we're all learning things today, right? So the U.S. makes up 4.2% of the world's population, and that's pretty crazy, right? Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's pretty crazy. There's <laughs> nothing else to say about that. And, and I think when you compare it to, like, if you were to ask some Americans, like, what percent of the population do you think we really consist of i think it might guess a little bit higher oh definitely would definitely would 
Because I think we all know that there's like seven, eight billion people on earth, but I feel like we we have this perception that the U.S. makes up so much more of the world, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And kind of going off of that reason, number one, too, like what you were talking about, Derek, and you know, it, this isn't the fault of Americans, I would say. It's, you know, the difference between Europe and the United States, because it's just the way that the continent is, you know, these regions are divided up. You know, if you drive four hours from Madrid, you just four, drive four hours east, you're across the Pyrenees and in France. And it's a completely different set of cultures and a different set of language. Like, you know, you're forced to speak that language when you're there. Obviously, you can get by, but if you go to live there, you know, like you said, you can travel within the European Union without restrictions. There's a lot more business interactions. You know, you go on holiday. There's, you know, there's just a lot more opportunities to go between countries. Whereas the United States, if we're in San Diego and we drive four hours east, even, yeah, probably around four hours, we're just about in Arizona. Mm-hmm. What, like Yuma, maybe? Like, or if you drive four hours north, we're in San Luis Obispo. We're still in California. We're not like barely halfway through California. Yeah, that's crazy. And while San Luis Obispo is a different town than San Diego, you don't really, you're not going to drive and be like, wow, this is, you know, there's different language, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a completely different set of cultures here. It's still the United States. Or if you hop on a plane and fly four hours east, you'd be in Chicago, which, yeah, it's, Chicago's different than California, but again, same language. You know, it's still America. So, I think just the existence of different countries, the way Europe is, you know, it's the way the continent was developed, you know, all these different sets of languages and cultures and the development of the Latin language, you know, like all the, the romance languages, you know, the way they develop and the different empires and the different, you know, kingdoms and stuff all throughout Europe, the different countries, you know, it's just the way the continent is developed and it's just the way it is. So you can't really, we're not going to criticize America for that, but I'm saying that's, one of the reasons I would say why a lot of Americans don't speak as many languages as Europeans do. Yeah. And uh, didn't you have another fun fact to share with us about the, the official language of the U S Oh, that's right. So uh, even though a lot of, a lot of Americans speak other languages, fun fact, number two, according to the constitution of the United States, shout out my AP government teacher, senior year, he was amazing. There is no official language in the United States. English is not the official language. Even though it is, it's not. Does that make sense? It's, it's officially it's unofficial, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we're, we're not establishing a whole lot of credibility here, but you just got to trust us. It is, but it's not. Like, obviously, I mean, they, can Google, it. they can Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Technically speaking, there's no official language in the United States. So, with that being said, and I feel like the way that the founding fathers kind of had in mind was you know there should be multiple languages spoken in the country which you know because it's all about you know the freedom of speech and stuff like that and i think that it would be really cool in an an ideal utopian dystopian future where you know people in the united states spoke multiple languages there were you know not not just english i think that would be really cool but you know i'm getting a little too idealistic here (laughs) um yeah i guess our last point on on reason one is just that for example if you're in europe and you're growing up in europe you're forced to encounter a lot of different languages right whether you travel for example someone in california might go on vacation to a different part of california or they might go to florida or whatever right but i guess it's not 
as common for someone to leave the U.S. Sure, it happens, um, but you know, or, or someone from another part of the U.S. might come to California for vacation or whatever, right? If you're in Europe, there's a good chance that if you're going on vacation, you're going to a different country, and and you're going to be forced, at least to an extent, to speak that language. Or if you want to move to another country, like Nick said you're gonna need to speak that language. You're not gonna move to France and just refuse to speak French, right? That's just not gonna, that's just not gonna happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it's just the way, it's just the way the world ended up and it's just the way the US is set up and the way Europe set up, you know? Um, but anyways, I think that kind of brings us into reason number two. You yeah, wanna, reason number two is, uh, th this is an interesting one and it's, it's got a good side and a bad side. You know, it's like when someone tells me, tells you like, give me the good news or the bad news. So I'm going to start off with the good news. I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here. Cause I know a lot of people usually like the bad news first. I know I do. Anyways, first off the good, like the good part about this is that Americans are very proud. You know, there, there's a lot of patriots in this country, which, you know, patriotism, national pride. I love my country. I totally support that. Like I'm all for it. It's great. But on one other hand, sometimes Americans, I feel like can be a little bit too prideful and be a little bit too proud of their country. And the fact that it's like, okay, America, this America, that like other countries don't exist and they don't take the time to, you know, even open their minds to learning about another country. And with that comes a lot of bad things. I feel like comes a lot of negative stereotypes, a lot of just bad attitudes towards people and that can cause conflict. Mm -hmm. yeah no and exactly like nick said you know uh english is the most widely spoken language here and and therefore you know when when people come to the u.s they're kind of expected to learn english right and granted they should they're coming to the u.s they should learn english to at some point right um but i, I do think that as i guess a, a a collective of, of the united states we could do a better job you know if someone comes here and the fact that it's very unlikely that someone speaks their language, you know, is going to make it so much harder for them. Um, and maybe if like, you know, one of their neighbors already spoke their language and English, that could help them, you know, so much at the beginning or whatever. You just think of like, oh, you're going to like buy a house or, or buy a car or something like that, not speaking the language like that. That's almost impossible, you know, and you're probably going to get ripped off. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so yeah, people, a lot of people move to the U.S. for the quality of life and they want to learn English too, because it's becoming a more, a more global language, right? But the, I guess the question that we're asking is why can't, as Americans, why can't we also learn their languages? Like, would that be so, that'd be so bad? You know, the, the U.S. is a beautiful melting point. And like we said, there's no official language here. Yeah, and I think another interesting trend too and going off of you know english being a global language is americans obviously know that so you know obviously you can't fault americans for you know expecting people to learn english when they move to the united states it happens with any country mm -hmm. um but also what that comes to we know the fact that english is the most widely spoken language across the world so if we go internationally if we go on vacation i feel like there's an assumption that people are just gonna be able to speak english too yeah no, and, and although it, like, it's not the most, I think in terms of native speakers, I'm pretty sure uh, Mandarin still has a mm -hmm. leg up by, by a good bit, but it is the most learned second language, right? So most people learn English as a second language kind of thing. Um, 
so I guess that's kind of what we meant. Uh, did you have anything else here, or did you want to go right on into reason number three? Because it's kind of kind of connected, right? Yeah, they're, they're kind of simple. We can honestly can morph these two together, but our, our reason three, like we said, lack of recognition of other cultures. And like we talked about earlier, just these negative stereotypes that exist of the outside world. And especially with that American pride, a lot of times America, I feel like Americans think they live in a bubble, you know, it's like, because it's so big, obviously, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we go to Texas. That's a different culture than California, which yeah, it is, you know, it's a different culture, but at the end of the day, it's still American per se. And that's the most like intercultural experiences you, you'll get in America. I feel like a lot of the times with people is going from state to state, which yes, there are some cultural differences, but there's really not a whole lot. And I think the, the experiences that people get going from, you know, the United States to Mexico or to other co countries all around the, the world are a lot more transformative. And I think with those experiences, yeah, obviously Americans go to Mexico, but what do the majority of Americans go to Mexico for? It's party spring, spring break, you know, let's yeah. go to senior frogs and let's knock down some margaritas. Let's go, you know, let's go to Rosarito. Let's go to Cabo. Like, that's not really Mexico. That's just like, that's scratching the surface of what they actually, you know, their culture is, you know? And I think if more people like with that, I think a lot of those going to those negative stereotypes, like we said, you know, <clears throat> Oh, Mexico is this place to go down and party or it's, you know, Central America is a dump. It's, it's not really safe unless you go to those resort towns when in reality, that's not their culture. Like you go to Mexico city or you go inland, you know, you go to a, a true, like a Mexican town. That's not a whole lot of tourists even. So like, or even just going to talk to the people who are working at those resorts, it's going to open up your mind to so many different things and realize how beautiful and amazing the people and the cultures are of these countries. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, this, this pride that we have as Americans, it's a double-edged sword. That was the way you put it the other day, right? Mm -hmm. We were kind of preparing this. Um, and, having patriotism is great it's absolutely fantastic it's very important for a country the bad thing is when we tune out and even maybe degrade the the outside world right that that's kind of the bad part uh and we do it you know it, it's it, it's something that we do as americans and like we said we're not trying to badmouth americans we are both americans we've been american our entire life you know um and I guess we're, we're just trying to bring some some awareness, you know, really, because um, we've seen it. But yeah, getting into some of the stereotypes. Um, I've heard a whole bunch. I'm, I'm sure you have too, Nick. Uh, and I'm sure anyone's listening or watching this has also heard a whole bunch. Uh, I know you kind of touched on a couple. One that I've heard, for example, is if you go to like Colombia, right, that you have to be careful because they'll put cocaine in your suitcase because of Pablo Escobar. And it's just that one kind of like irritates me a little bit because I have, I have some friends from Colombia uh, and they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and it's just, I guess, trying to reduce a whole country's history into one historical figure, whether that figure is good or bad is just impossible. You know, it, just try to reduce the U.S. and it can be someone good or it can be someone bad. And it's just, it just doesn't work, right? And it just ignores so much important stuff um but yeah I, i've also heard like uh, that if you go to china they're just going to be eating takeout food right and there's just busy cities and gross streets they're busy street busy cities and gross streets everywhere you know that like in brazil for example there's a whole bunch of my hometown of sao paulo like 
there's a whole bunch, but you go to New York, that's just like that. It's the same thing, you know? <laughs> um, and then talking about like how um, like Latin America is dangerous or whatever. There are parts of the US that are also very dangerous, you know? So obviously it's like no place is gonna be perfect. No place is just gonna be, and it's hard to say if one place is completely more dangerous than another, but it just just saying oh it's so dangerous down there is just you're overlooking a lot of a lot of things really no you really are and like you said there's bad parts of every single country there's negative aspects of every single country but it's i think this is kind of like a life philosophy that i have too it's just like not dwelling on the negative things you know like life's too short you know start focus on the things that really make things make you happy and that mm-hmm. just fill your life with positivity because life's too short you know why not you know, why not live it as, as happy as you possibly can? I know it's easier said than done, but I always just try to focus on the positive things. And I think if more people looked on the positive side of these countries, like, okay, stop dwelling on the fact that it's potentially dangerous and look past that, like look past the busy streets and the, the gross buildings, whatever, like, and there's beauty there and there are people and there's a, there's a culture and there's a whole set of history and traditions that created those things. And looking beyond just those shallow superficial things, in every country is amazingly unique and different in their own way. And the heart and soul of every country and every culture is the people. Because let's face it, without the people, there would be no country, there'd be no culture, there'd be nothing. And the people that we have met, and we've seen this with our own eyes, the people we've met from all over the world, and not just with Spanish, like through other apps where we help other people with English. Like I've talked to people from Saudi Arabia, from Egypt, this in English, and obviously in Spanish too, you know, from Costa Rica, from Spain, from Colombia, from Peru, from Chile, like all these different places, being able to connect with people around the globe is something that is so life-changing and so mind-boggling and just like completely changes your mind and opens your mind to so many different things. It's, it's unbelievable. And I think that experience goes even deeper when it comes to languages. Like, you know, talking to someone from Egypt and, you know, Palestine or wherever in the Middle East, just connecting with them in English it's so unbelievable. It's so an unbelievable feeling. And it's something that's super exciting. But when you can do that in their native language, when you're the one speaking their language, that, that feeling is unbelievable. It's literally like the keys to opening up a completely new world. You're like literally opening the doors to Narnia. And like, I've experienced that feeling so many times, even just like talking for an hour and a half or two hours with my partner, language partner in Spain, just about like, Spanish politics and Spanish government, which I never thought I'd be interested in, but like just the fact that I'm doing it in their language and learning about his country and his set of cultures, it's, it's unbelievable. And Derek, I think you always tell me this quote about languages. What is it again? Uh, So it's from the great Nelson Mandela, right? And I I might be slightly wrong, uh, (laughs) but the general idea will still be here. And it's, if, if you speak to a man in, a language he understands, it goes to his head. But if you speak to a man in his language, it goes to his heart, right? So I, I think kind of breaking that down, it can be understood, but it's a whole different level when you speak it to them in their language, it goes to the heart, right? Like it, it really goes to heart and, and it shows that that you're going out of your way, right? Um, and we, we both had plenty of experiences where 
we, you know, we, we try talking to someone in English or whatever, and, you know, maybe they have a hard time expressing themselves in English. So we ask if they prefer to speak in Spanish. Um, and that changes everything, right? It changes their whole demeanor. Maybe they were super shy and quiet or whatever in English. And out of nowhere in, Spain, in, in Spanish, they're super extroverted. They're outgoing. They're warm, welcoming. You know, they might even hug you. Um, everything's possible kind of thing. It, but it just goes such a long way because if you're the one that is, I guess, uncomfortable in, in a social situation, you're talking to someone, you're uncomfortable, um, it, it's hard to express yourself, right? It's hard. So if you put that other person in the position of being, I guess, in control and in, in comfort, it allows them to open up so much more, um, right? And especially because it shows that you're okay with being uncomfortable as long as it makes them more comfortable, right? Um, and, and I think you, you said, like, I don't know if you want to share some of your, your experiences, like, from over the summer. Yeah. So over the summer, I worked as a server at a hotel pool. And it was a timeshare. And so yeah, a lot of people coming in from all over the US because it was a domestic, uh, it was like a domestic company, it was Hilton. Anyways, there was one day where I met these two guys and I was serving them and I heard them talking in Spanish. And it, it's always awkward, like when you hear someone talking in Spanish and then our eyes, you know, they light up and we're like, oh, we want to get in this conversation. Um, but like I started talking to him and I was like, oh, where are you guys from? And they go, oh, you know, we're from Colombia. And the other guy said, oh, I'm from Chile. And I was like, oh, pues hablan español. And they did a double take and they were like, what in the world? And I kid you not, it, it was like a, a switch turned on inside of them. Like I literally just flipped the switch and these guys were like, were just going on and on and on and on and just, you know, talking about their countries and the, the love that they have for them and teaching me slang. And I talked to them for like 30, 45 minutes. I clocked out way later than I should have. And I'm probably got a penalty for it anyways. But I, I was just so like into the conversation. It was so amazing. And at the end of the conversation, you know, he gave me his contact info. He's like, you know, if you ever come to Colombia, just let me know. You got a place to stay. Like just the things that people do when you speak in their native language. And I think a lot of it too is with Americans. I think a lot of the times any Spanish speaker, when they hear an American speaking Spanish, like especially us, like in, me in particular, I am for anyone who doesn't know what I look like. I am tall, blonde, six foot six with blue eyes and speak like a Californian, as you guys can probably tell. I don't look, I don't really fit the profile of a Spanish speaker. So when somebody, you know, finds out that I speak Spanish and it's happened multiple times, people are shocked. And obviously that's not the main reason why I learned Spanish, but it's always just like little bonus once in a while, you know, where you're like, dang, like that reaction was awesome. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I guess not a reward per se, but it's kind of like someone recognizing like, okay, like that's awesome, man. Like all the work that we've put into improve our Spanish, like that's being recognized, which is cool once in a while, obviously. And you don't want, we don't want to get too overconfident with it and stuff like that. But just overall being able to talk to somebody in their own language completely, completely changes their personality and their own dynamic. Yeah, no, it just, it goes a long way. It goes a long way, you know? And I guess kind of talking about some more of the, the stereotypes and, and misconceptions, uh, and this will kind of lead into our next reason. But um, in the same way that like here in the US, we have all these stereotypes, most of them unfortunate, right? About these other countries, right? Um, some of which we've kind of mentioned and we don't need to repeat. Outside of the US, one of the, the misconceptions is that Americans don't care about other cultures. Americans don't want to learn other languages. There, there's some truth to it, you know? So I, I think especially like 
as an American, if you put yourself in that position to learn another language and put yourself in that position to speak in that person's language, it just goes such a long way. Like it, it, it's really just ridiculous, right? Like, I, like we said, it, it, it changes everything, right? So um, yeah, and I guess getting into reason four, uh, kind of misconceptions. You wanna take this one away? Yeah, we're not gonna go fully in depth here because like we said, this is gonna be a full episode in itself. We're gonna get fired up. We're gonna, it's gonna be another one of those open heart hours as I declared earlier. But yeah, we feel like, especially in the United States, I mean, obviously around the world, there's language misconceptions, but especially in the United States, there's exists a lot of them about learning languages. For example, I'm only going to scratch the surface here, but a lot of times, you know, I've heard things like, oh, like I've taken three years of high school Spanish, I'm fluent. Or mm -hmm. what's the point in learning another language when we only speak English in the United States? So on and so on. We've got like, we've already got them laid out there. We've probably got like five or six of them. Anyways, oh, yeah. just a lot of misconceptions about language learning that might discourage other people from learning languages. And in general, and especially in America too, we feel like the language system, the way they're taught in schools, isn't broken per se, but should be improved. And not just in the US, but around the world. Yeah. And like we scratched upon earlier, learning a language is not just learning grammar and reading literature and studying vocab. Because yeah, you're getting all the building blocks, you're getting all the things but you need, but now you gotta go out and do it. You know, you don't do that in the classroom. You gotta step outside the classroom and actually speak with natives and learn other, uh, you know, learn the actual language itself. And we feel like in the United States, it's not like it's it's not really stressed you know you don't really hear that in your classes it's always just like okay well here's this you know go on quizlet study your quizlet study your flashcards you know here's we're learning about the subjunctive today but i'm getting a little bit too in depth here but essentially those are our reasons four and five just the language misconceptions mm -hmm. and the broken language systems in schools which prohibits and discourages students from learning languages yeah and like we said this is going to be a whole episode um we just kind of wanted to give you guys a little teaser Kind of like for when they have a movie trailer and they do a before they release the, the movie trailer which is already a preview to the to the movie right sometimes they do a teaser trailer and it's like a 10 second clip just to get you excited about the the, the trailer and i guess that's kind of what we wanted to uh what we wanted to do here and then sometimes you get you so you get the trailer for the trailer which comes out like a, the night before which is 10 seconds and then when the trailer itself comes out there's like there's still the five second trailer for the trailer included in the trailer you know what i'm yeah. talking about shout outs yeah. shout out spider-man no way home anyways <laughs> we hope what we're trying to convey here is that we hope it's not too complicated we're not teasing you guys too much um and we're not going to be like a marvel studios and just completely hide everything or you know completely not show what's gonna be in the next episode but we also don't want to be like old sony and completely show everything that's in the trailer so anyways we're getting too carried away. passionate about uh, movies. I mean, I am too, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> Movie podcast... We get carried away about a yeah, lot of things. We, we get very carried away. I wish <laughs> this was like a live session so people could just get us back on track. But anyways, Derek, you got anything else to add about these uh, these topics and these reasons we have behind the monolingual states of America? Um, I don't think so yet. Because I know we're kind of going to... We're going to get it, into it a bit more... Um, and we've probably been talking for a while now, right? So there's no need to, I guess, drag it on too much. Yeah, too much I feel like right. everyone's probably already sick of us, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're listening to us to fall asleep, that's great, you know. Yeah, honestly. 
Yeah, I think that's a compliment. Like if if someone said that my voice is calm enough to put them to sleep, like mm-hmm. that's a compliment, man. But anyways, yeah. I'm I'm gonna leave us off with a little. This is gonna be another fun fact slash fun saying for us. And this is one that I heard a couple months ago, and it really stuck with me. And this is kind of like our motivation behind the episode. And it's this: if you speak three languages, you're trilingual, right? If you speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're American. You're not monolingual, you're American. And I heard that and I, I wasn't mad per se, but I, you know, it, was, it just kind of made me realize like, you know, that that exists, you know, and that's the reason that's the stuff we talked about today. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna leave that statement here today because I'm gonna inspire us all to go out there and learn another language. This is our catalyst for change. Go out there and do it. Go out there and try it, even if you don't like it. And then so what, you know, you still learn something, you know, you learn a couple words, you learn a couple phrases, you know, you never know, maybe one day you go to France and you will use that phrase, you know, even if you don't become fully fluent, just go out and try it. Because even if you think you might not be interested, I mean, I was at a point in my life too, where I was like, I'm just kind of done with Spanish. Like, I'm not really learning anything. What's going on? It was all boring to me. And once I took that leap of faith, once Derek helped me and I'll be forever in depth that with him is once I took that leap of faith and I started doing it and I started actually speaking the language and talking to people and it wasn't perfect either. You know, I, I really struggled at times and I still do. But once I was able to do that, my life completely changed. It completely changed my view of the world and on life as a whole. I know I've said that a million times this episode, but I can't stress it enough. So go out there and do it. Yeah, we just want to, we just want to inspire one person. You know, if we get one person to kind of take that, take that leap of faith right there and just kind of start learning a little bit. Um, again, we'll, we'll go over lots of language learning strategies, kind of the methods that we use and stuff like that. Uh, but if we can inspire one person, then w- we've accomplished our goal with, with this podcast, right? So, um, exactly. yeah, with that. With that, that's, uh, I think that brings us to the end of the show, finally. Um, thank you all so much for listening to our first episode. Feel free to go ahead and leave us a like. Go give us a follow on Instagram at Podcast. Always, if you guys have any questions, no matter what it is, whether it's about languages, whether it's about comic book movies, whether it's about literally whatever, feel free to email us a question at langringospodcast at gmail.com. We're always here to respond. We want to hear from you guys. We want to interact with you all. And once again, thank you all so much for listening and hasta la próxima. Bye-bye, everyone.